Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice. Let us rejoice. Amen. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So I don't know about you, but I cannot believe October is almost over. Is anyone that's just your mind's blown by that fact? I mean, tomorrow is Halloween. The day after that's Christmas. <laughs> you know what I mean? But actually, I, we're still in the midst of fall. Who, who does not want to move past fall? Who likes this time of year? Let me see. All right. A lot of us. I love fall, too. Fall is a great time of year. And what's fall in West Michigan without this guy? <laughs> Do you see him? Yeah. All right. In first service, they needed some help. So this is a hunter. He is camouflaged. If you can see the screen here, here's his bow. Here's his hat. He's got his arrow drawn. See him now? I tell you, when it comes to, to camouflage and hunting, this dude has taken it to the next level. I mean, our, grandpa's, our, grandpa, our grandfather's hunted in plaid. This dude is absolutely blending in. Look at this for a moment. Seriously. This is crazy. This guy, listen here, this guy is hiding in plain sight. He's hiding in plain sight. He's completely blending in. And I want to say something to you here today, church. This picture of this perfectly camouflaged hunter, it actually reminds me of many Christians this day, these days. Hiding in plain sight, afraid to stand out, living, hear me on this, living with no contrast to their lives, meaning their lives are no different than their non-Christian neighbors. For the Christians in the house, for the church that's gathered here, hear me on this, you are not meant to blend in. You are not meant to hide Jesus said that nobody, nobody lights a candle and then puts a bowl over top of it. But when you light a candle, you put it out, A, for all to see, and B, for it to give light everywhere. And did you know he was talking about us? He was talking about the church. You are not meant to blend in. You are not meant to hide in plain sight. We are meant to stand out. We are meant to provide contrast to the world. This is what it means to follow Christ. If you truly follow him, this is not just unavoidable, it's inevitable that you will bring contrast because we are meant to. We are not like the world. We're not meant to be like the world. I mean, the guy that we follow li literally said these words, Drink my blood. People, that's not normal. That's not normal. He said we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. I'm sorry, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you can't be normal. You can't be normal and be a follower of Jesus. Today we're going to close up a sermon series that we've called Haunting. As we've looked at the words of Jesus that are somewhat scary, haunting. 
And if you haven't yet, would you please turn to John chapter 6. We're going to read verses 48 to 58 today. We're going to read a story of when Jesus told his followers to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, as you're turning there for context, Jesus actually says this while preaching in a synagogue. So he's speaking to mostly Jewish and mostly Jewish context. Now, that's important. We'll come back to that in a moment. But would you hear the word of the Lord? John chapter 6, verses 48 to 58. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews disputed among them, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray, and we'll continue. Let's pray. Father God in heaven above, Lord, we are in the midst of a season where the world is celebrating darkness and the demonic. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand there is no better chance for the light to shine than right now in this world of darkness. Lord, help your people not to hide. Keep us from blending in or putting on camouflage in our lives so that we wouldn't stand out. But by the power and the presence of your Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would nourish us with your truth today as later we celebrate communion and you would nourish us again through the gospel. Lord, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, church, so there's so much we could pick up from these verses here today, but let me just give you, if I could give you just one main point for today, here's what I'd say to you. The Christian life is one of constant contrast. The Christian life is one of constant contrast. And for those of you who like the outline ahead of time. Here's where we are going to be going today. First thing is we're going to look at the contrast between tradition and truth as we see the difference between the manna of old and the bread of life. Second, second thing we're going to see is the difference between popularity and purpose as we look at the difference between living for the moment and living for eternity. And lastly, we're, we are going to look at the contrast between religion and relationship as we look at the difference between dead ancestors and the living father. So first thing, the contrast between tradition and truth as we look at the difference between the manna of old and the bread of life. So Christians in the house, in this world, we are the ones that tout that we are about truth. Amen? 
we are the ones who are about truth. And, but as, as being a pastor, working with other churches, both locally and around the country, one thing I can tell you is that so many churches, they're not pursuing truth. They're actually trapped by tradition, unable to move, unable to do anything. And here's the reality, I, and here's the honest truth here. I like tradition. In my heart of hearts, I love tradition. I love bringing the past along with us and making it alive today. I mean, I know that we go right from Halloween to Christmas, but I love Thanksgiving too. Who here likes them some Thanksgiving? I like Thanksgiving too. I have a tradition on Thanksgiving morning that I make cinnamon rolls for the family and I put on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade even though nobody in my house cares at all. <laughs> they could care less, but I do it because tradition. And it's not Thanksgiving for me without cinnamon rolls in the morning and Thanksgiving Day Parade on TV that nobody's watching anyway. What's Halloween without carving pumpkins? I mean, with, with uh, my kids being little, Super Mario Brothers is coming to the theaters, so my kids are really jazzed about that. So this year, from, uh, my, son, my, my son Jed, for his pumpkin, um, we carved Bowser for his pumpkin. Yes, I'm very talented. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> you know, I love tradition. But Christians, it's the truth that should drive us. Amen? I'll say that again. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Because here's the reality, church. Where we are going, where God's calling peace church, and in 2023 is going to be a huge year for us. We all have to be on this one train, that we are on the truth train going where God's calling us. Here at Peace Church, we pursue truth. And while we are thankful for tradition, and we're thankful for the tradition that still speaks to us, the reality is that when God calls us to truth, there may be times where we have to abandon tradition for the sake of truth. Who's with me? Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. We're going to come back to that in a minute. You may regret this. Truth is where God has called us. So Jesus was speaking to a crowd. He was speaking to this Jewish crowd, and they were encased in tradition. The crowd that Jesus was speaking to was mostly Jewish. He was in a synagogue. They loved their history, and in part of their history included a time where the Jewish people back then were called the Israelites in their ancient history. They were called the Israelites, and for a time they lived out in the desert, also called the wilderness, in a time when they were led by Moses. And during this time of being out in the wilderness, God miraculously provided food for them when there was no other food in the form of what was called manna. And it was this type of bread that God sent from heaven. In fact, we read about it in Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people, and the people should go out and gather a day's portion. Jump down to verse 31. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made of honey. Manna, the word manna is a Hebrew word that roughly translates as, what is it? So this bread type stuff that came from heaven, they didn't know exactly what they were eating. They just knew, they just knew that it came from heaven. They didn't know exactly what they were eating, so they just called it, what is it? 
or as they said in their original language, manna. Now, Jesus cross-references this story of manna with himself, and it's powerful. Look what Jesus says, starting in verse 48. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers, meaning your ancestors, the Israelites, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Okay, now hold on a second here. Now, Jesus isn't like undermining what God did in the Old Testament, but he is setting up something powerful. And it doesn't seem like he's really putting this in glorious terms. He's speaking matter-of-factly here to a people who loved this story. Yeah, they ate the manna and they died. This is the bread of life that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. See, the Jewish crowd that Jesus was speaking to They were so used to looking back on what God had done for the Israelites. And listen, we preach the Old Testament. We're thankful for it. The Old Testament, I believe, still speaks to us. But he was trying to get them to stop only looking at the back, only looking into the past. And he wanted them to start looking at what God was doing right then, right in front of them. Church, let's not make the same mistake that we're only ever looking back and not looking and responding to what God is doing right now. Jesus takes the story of manna, a story, by the way, that actually happened in history, but he's taking it out of the realm, out of their hearts that only saw it as tradition. He took it out of the realm of tradition, and he used that story to point to something true that was happening right then, right now, right in front of them. He wanted them to stop only looking back and start looking at him. This is why we keep our eyes on Jesus Church, we pursue the truth. And the pursuit of truth will always trump what we do out of tradition. So let's play this out for a moment. If a day came, if a day came where gathering for church was more effective for the kingdom on Tuesday nights over Sunday mornings, Well, in our pursuit of truth and sharing the truth, we would consider abandoning Sunday morning worship for Tuesday night worship. There is no scriptural mandate to gather on Sundays. There's good cause to, there's good reason to. Out of tradition, we do this on Sunday because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead, but there's no biblical law that says that we have to. But you know, And I know that if we ever did move to Tuesday nights, how much of the church would lose their ever-loving mind? (laughs) Even though we all just said we're going to pursue truth over tradition. It's just a challenging thing for us. Now, let me just clarify, there's nothing like that in our plans. There's no reason for us to consider that. Not on our radar. Nothing that we're looking at doing. But the idea of this should challenge you. The idea of that should cause you to look into your own heart and say, am I fully and wholly committed to truth over tradition? Are you more concerned with reaching into the past or reaching out with the truth? Because here at Peace Church, our pursuit is the truth. We're going to pursue and follow God's truth, even when the culture rejects it. We don't feast on the manna that was there and then. We want to feast on the bread of life that is here and now. This is the contrast that Christians bring to the world. 
We bring truth over tradition. We bring the pursuit of truth over everything else. And also, we live lives of purpose over popularity. So Jesus tells this crowd that he is the bread of heaven and that his flesh is their food and his blood is their drink. And here's the thing. For those of us who grew up, in church, grew up going to church, I think we forget how shocking of a statement that is. Think about hearing this for the first time. Seriously, like for a moment, set aside Sunday school and, and growing up in church, for those of you who did, and think about hearing this for the very first time. Jesus tells us to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now, for the Greco-Roman world at the time, as well as the Jewish religion, cannibalism was viewed in very much the same way it is today. Uh, really taboo. So going back to verse 52, I want you guys to follow me on this. Go back to verse uh, 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly. All right, stop right there for a second. This is what I absolutely love about Jesus. He never walked back from what he was saying. When Jesus said something and they questioned it, he always doubles down. Go back to verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Not just truly, but truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, referring to himself, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. I wanted to read that again because did you hear how saturated his language is in eating flesh and drinking blood? He was not walking back from this statement. He was doubling down on it. Think about this in your head. Think about hearing this for the first time. And while these verses are saturated in talking about eating flesh and drinking blood, there's a line here that puts us all in perspective that I want to point out to you. It's verse 54. Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Okay, this is important here. For a little context, for the Jewish people, you legally, scripturally speaking, were not allowed to drink blood. Not just because it, it, it sounded gross, but look what God says in the Old Testament. Leviticus is the, the book of laws that God gave to his people back then. Look what, look what God says in Leviticus here. Leviticus 17, verses 11 and 12. God is speaking to the Israelites through Moses right now. He says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, or we would say drink blood these days, none of you may eat blood, nor may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. So for those of us who are familiar with church stuff, we, we understand here that God's talking about the sacrifices of animals that Israel would make at that time that they would pour out their blood. But, but God's drawn an, ex an extremely direct line here between the blood of the animal and the life of the animal. That the pouring out of its blood is the pouring out of its life. And that's how atonement or payment for our sins was made. See, back then, the Israelites, they would, they would ceremonially, symbolically, spiritually place their sins upon an animal, and then they would kill that animal. 
And it was a very gruesome act. And as they watched this blood pour out, the life of this animal be poured out, it would remind them that that's how atonement for their sins were being made. That as this animal gave up its life, they should have gave up their lives for their sin, but this animal took their place. The animal took their place by giving its blood, giving its life. When their sins deserved death, the animal took their death. But here's the reality that we know from Scripture. No one animal could ever fully forever pay for the sins of people. So they had to keep doing it and keep doing it. And the rhythm of their life was this constant sacrifice, this constant flow of blood, which would remind them of their sin and that God has paved the way for them, for them not to pay for their sin, but for the animal to pay for their sin. And this is why drinking blood was, forget, uh, this is why drinking blood was forbidden. Because they were not to take the life of another creature the life of another animal, and bring it into themselves. That was, that was sacrilegious. That was blasphemous to take the life of another animal and bring it into yourself. That's why they were not allowed to drink blood. And so here's the tie-in. When Jesus tells us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, it's because we are taking his life into us. This is the beautiful gritty, real picture of what it means to be a Christian. That we eat the flesh of our Savior and drink his blood, thereby taking his life, his precious, holy, perfect, eternal, full, godly, holy life into us. Church, the Christian faith is profound. Profound in what we get to do and profound in what we we get to be a part of profound in what our Savior has done for us. The eternal life that Jesus has by being God the Son, that life is given into us by faith when we consume his blood. Church, think. Think about how closely that ties us to Jesus. That we not just have this like spiritual exchange, but this is a real momentous thing that happens as Jesus' eternal life is brought into us. This is, this is profound on a scale I can't even begin to explain. Jesus says in verse 56, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He's clarifying this. Now, in a sense, Jesus is truly speaking spiritual here, but that should make it all the more real, not less real to us. Jesus is speaking spiritually here, which is why our eternal life, it's firstly a spiritual eternal life. That even though our bodies do grow old and they die, our soul has eternal life. That we have life because of Christ. Though our bodies die, our soul or our spirit, our consciousness, continues in spiritual form. As we await what Jesus just said in verse 54 is the last day. If you have your Bibles, you can underline that. Scripture tells us that, that the last day will be the renewal or the resurrection of all things. That even though our bodies die, the Bible teaches this, our souls continue on until the last day during the renewal or the resurrection of all things when our soul or our spirit is reunited with our perfected bodies. And so this, this, this last day is actually the first day of eternity. And this is what we live our lives in light of. Everyone else lives for the weekend. Everyone else lives for today but we live in light of the last day. 
This is the beautiful truth that we live our lives in light of. The world lives for the high of the moment, but we live in light of eternity. We don't live for what is accepted and popular at the moment. We don't pursue that. But rather, we live for purpose, knowing that we are all headed for the last day, which Jesus calls it, which is the first day of eternity. Your life, your life has purpose beyond this fleeting moment. Your life has more purpose than whatever could be communicated through likes on social media. Your life has more purpose than whatever your career or lack thereof may dictate. Your life has an eternal weight and an eternal purpose, and that's what we live in light of. This is the contrast that we bring to the world, which leads to the last thing. Our contrast between religion and relationship, as we look at the difference between dead ancestors and the living Father. Go with me to verse 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Again, you, get, you can't forget this. Jesus was speaking to a crowd absolutely immersed in tradition and religion. And Jesus comes and he builds off that into something new. While we definitely, again, we preach the Old Testament here. We look to the, the faithful people who have passed and we learn from them. But we don't look ultimately or only to them. We ultimately find our focus not in a religion, but in a relationship with our living Father God. So, theological question for you all. Take a moment, think about your answer, maybe share it with those who are around you. Theological quiz for you right now. And actually, maybe we should get Logan up here and have him answer this. Here's the question for you. Where is God? Where is God? Think about your answer, share it with the person next to you. I'll give you a minute to do so. So on the one hand, we could say that God is in heaven. Sure seems that Jesus speaks like this in the Bible. That's where it says his throne is. But as we look at the full breadth of Scripture, we see in verses like our passages like Psalm 139, it speaks about how God is everywhere we go. The answer is God is omnipresent. God is not restricted to a place or a time as, is, as if he's ever confined to a place or a time. And so, church, hear me on this. If God is omnipresent, that means he's here with you now. That means he's here with you when you go home. That means he's, he's with you as you say your prayers before you go to bed or go off to work tomorrow. That God is always with you when you receive terrible news and he's with you when you receive joyful news. This is the beautiful thing that we have by faith in Jesus, that God is always with us. And that's one of the things we're going to celebrate in the coming months at Christmas, is that Jesus is God with us. 
the beautiful thing about the Christian faith is that our, our God, God is not just this omnipresent deity floating around like some ghost, but he is a loving father who calls us into relationship with us by his son. This is why we don't just say God, we say Father God. He is our Father. See, God, in the Old Testament, he, he sent down manna to the Israelites, that this bread from heaven, so that the people would know that there's a God in heaven who loves them, who takes care of them. And listen to me, church, this is still true, but how much more clear is it now that God, God the Father, sent his Son the bread of life, that we might have eternal life, that we would know there's a God in heaven who loves us and cares for us. Church, hear me. Be more concerned with what God is doing in the world than, what the, than what's going on in the world. I know it's hard these days. I know it's very hard these days, but don't let your religion be watching the news and your prophets be political commentators, especially as we near this election day. Know the living Father. Know him first and foremost who gives you eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. Church, we are not meant to consume the news. We're meant to consume the bread of life. And because of that, we show contrast to the world. Because the Christian life is one of constant contrast. We live in contrast so Christians in the house come out of hiding. Take off the cultural camouflage you try to hide yourself with and let your light shine. Don't think the world's going to rejoice when they see it. That's setting yourself up for some disappointment there. You let your light shine because Christ has called us to. So take off the cultural camouflage Get out of spiritual hiding and let your light shine. Church, now is the time and there's not another. It's right now. This is our moment. This is the only moment you have. So let your light shine. We are to live in constant contrasts. And this is the Christian life. That we would eat the bread of life and have life. And this morning, we're going to do this now. We're actually going to do what Jesus calls us to do 2,000 years ago Together, we're going to serve and have communion together. What we're going to do, the church has done for 2,000 years, traces all the way back to this very story we're reading about here. And we often talk about how communion is a physical rep representation of a spiritual reality. Communion is making the gospel visible. Communion is making the gospel visible, tangible, something we can do, taste, and touch. The gospel is that we who are sinners, we are who are sinners, we could never pay for our sins. Our sins deserve death and separation because we've sinned against a perfectly holy God. And at one time, God's people placed their sins upon animals, constantly so. And they sacrifice those animals, they sacrifice those animals to pay for their sins, pouring out the animal's lifeblood so that we might have life and not death. But now there has been a final and a complete and a forever sacrifice in Jesus Christ. That our sins were placed upon him. And when he was sacrificed on his cross, on the cross and his blood was poured out, his life left his body so that it could come into ours 
that we would have eternal life. This is why Jesus said, we just read it in verse 51, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus gave up his body. He gave up his life for you and for me. And so by faith, we receive salvation in Jesus' name. And faith, we get to live this out with eternal life as we receive life in Jesus' name. Jesus broke his body and his blood was poured out that we would be able to feast on this and have life now and forevermore. Amen.